talking about the story I wanted to talk about at the very beginning I want I think that there's a story that you need to know about you'll love this uh, Zach because Zach was it was the first time for him last week when we were at the Trump rally to see a big a big rally like that and he was amazed now you said Elizabeth Sotolaro. Good job. Did I do it good? Sotolaro. Sotolaro. I'm going to get it right sooner or later. (laughs) Harry Carey. We know what you do with names. Harry Carey would have loved me, We know what you do with names. Yeah, we know. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) Harry Carey would have loved me. Yeah, my name's Jane. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, I know your first name. Does anybody call you Liz for short? I used to go by that. I don't any longer. I am now Elizabeth. You are Elizabeth. All right. So you're doing the high end of your name. That's cool. Because everybody says, is your name David? No, my name is Dave. That's your given name. Yes. My mother said that she named all of her boys what they would be called. So it's Dave, Don, and John. No Donald. No Donald, Jonathan, No Jonathan, no Davids. Yeah, it's Dave, Don, and John. So... How many people, you said that uh, this gentleman that you were telling me about that's Mr., uh, I don't know, social media or something for the uh, Trump campaign, knew exactly how many people were at the rally. That's Um, Brad Parscal. He is a data guru. He is a beast when okay. it comes to what they're doing on the campaign. He's and put out registered voters. Okay, registered, registered voters. voters. These are people who are registered and are going to go to the polls, all right? So the question is. How many? 53,895 at the rally on Thursday. Now, that's registered that? voters. Not everyone in that room no. was a registered voter, I don't think. Not everybody outside now, was a registered Now, here's the more voter. exciting part. One out of every five, Mr. Parscale says, were Democrats. Registered Democrat voters. 20% wow. of that room, folks. That is amazing. Do not believe the polls. Let me just tell you, the last Republican that was able to do that was Ronald Reagan. Reagan. Absolutely. Yes. He was the one to, I keep telling you all, we're going to have another Reagan-Mondale race in 2020. I'm just telling you, it's coming. You keep saying that. It's coming. It's going to be here. Well, I think Trump's message is resonating with people further than their partisan feelings. Yeah, well. Anyway, that was exciting. But here's why I bring all that up. I bring it up because of a new song, a a new song, a new story today. This is from the Daily Wire. It's Ben Shapiro's uh, social media site. Emily Zanotti wrote this and uh, said that President Donald Trump is presiding over a, quote, money machine, unquote, and now has... Here you go, Zach. 
He has the most well-funded re-election campaign in history. That's according to the fundraising numbers released last week. Now, Zach knows some of this because I asked several people that question on Thursday when they came by and sat down to talk. How's fundraising going? I'm hearing fundraising is outrageously good. I heard the president is near $160 million, yada, yada, yada. All of them confirmed to me that fundraising is incredible. Political now reporting today that Trump and the Republican National Coalition have raised more than $300 million and that the president himself, $158 million, that's $158 million cash on hand to kick off his reelection bid more than any other sitting president at this point in his campaign. The numbers have Democrats worried, rightly so. Uh, and at least one tr- strategist told the Washington, D.C.-based news outlet that, quote, the resources Trump has will be put to work anywhere and everywhere that he feels like he can scare up electoral votes. And Democrats are never going to catch up. It's just too much money. The Democratic presidential contenders collectively have outraised Trump, but as Democratic strategists point out, that money is going to cross purposes. Each individual candidate is using their war chest to attack other candidates that they're running against right now. And there's no guarantee that any candidate alone will be able to spark the same excitement alone as the field has collectively. The three candidates at the top have had difficulty raising from across the Democratic spectrum. For example, former Vice President Joe Biden is reportedly burning through funds at too fast a rate to sustain his campaign into the general election, according to the Washington Washington Examiner, spending 12% more than it's taking in and 30% more than the campaign of Biden's closest rival, Senator Elizabeth Warren. But Warren has problems of her own. She cut off high-dollar donors and refused to appear at big-money fundraisers, according to Variety magazine, an approach that may win her fans among blue-collar Democrats, but is not going to help her fully fund a general election campaign. Against three hundred million, yeah, you can't unilaterally <laughs> disarm, especially considering the war chest that Trump is going to have. You can't go in as Granada against the United States. One Democratic strategist told the Entertainment News magazine, "Got it right." Elizabeth Warren has to figure out what is the best way to defeat Donald Trump if she's the nominee. If the best way is to get on the phone with somebody because you need that commercial time in Ohio. And that's what you got to do, period. Senator Bernie Sanders is a proven fundraiser, but his appeal to mainstream Democrats now is limited. To make matters worse, one of the Democrats' biggest donors, environmentalist and venture capitalist Tom Steyer, is running as a candidate for president and spending his cash on his own campaign, although he pledged to give about $50 million to a Democratic war chest eventually. 
Any Democrat that wants to compete with Trump will also have to raise the same amount of money or more in a much shorter period of time. Oh, yeah. If the nomination process goes down to the wire, which it's looking like right now, the chosen Democratic nominee may have no more than a few months to knock out the sitting president who is already running re-election ads in key states a year ahead of the votes. Trump is also political reports ahead of the game on donor identification. It goes back to Mr. Priscal that mm-hmm. you were talking about. Since the re-election campaign began amassing in early 2019, it's been running, quote, an expensive, far-reaching effort to find new small dollar donors, and it's working. In just the last fundraising quarter, Trump 2020 has identified more than, are you ready for this, folks? 300,000 new donors for the cost of just $4.2 million. There you go. And they always talk about small donors, and he's picking up a huge amount of the small donors as well. He's getting the big money and the small money. More small donors than the Democrats. Yep. Yep. And and, uh, this is some interesting information uh, that is coming out. I'm just telling you, it's uh, it's really amazing what's going on. I think about how we don't hear news about Trump in mainstream media. This might be a story the mainstream media might want to be talking about because by the time they realize and turn around and realize what's going on, it's going to be a little too late. Yes, they're going to be. Because they're not even talking about it. With a day late and a dollar short. At least. The way that all goes. A few million. It's the way it works. 16 after 2, Elizabeth is here. She'll be with us till 5. 5 o'clock, we've got a really interesting interview we want to play for you. I want you to listen to. I think you'll enjoy. And, uh. It is with the, she's the editor, correct? She's on the editorial board editorial. of the Wall Street Journal. Okay. And she is, she sat down and did an interview uh, with Epic. The Epoch Times. Oh, is that Epoch? The Epoch Times. Okay, they pronounce it Epoch. I think that's how you say it. It's like being in Kentucky and it's not, it's Versailles <laughs> and not Versailles. But anyway, that's how I, I live there. It wasn't Versailles. I thought it was Versailles. I'll never forget walking into the pizza place and said, I need, I live here in Versailles. And they looked at me like I was crazy. Like where? (laughs) It's called Versailles in in Kentucky. It's Versailles. I'm just saying that's the way it's, and that's the the way they say it. In Kentucky. It's a word that has 12 syllables. All right. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about more. There's a lot to talk about. You, you didn't think there were any big stories out there? I'm just telling you, there's a lot to talk about today, and we're going to do it right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Zach, I figured something out after just pouring a whole cup of coffee down my lap that our station does not get bounty uh, paper towels because those were not swift picker-uppers. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I didn't put them down. They didn't say, there's still coffee dripping off the desk. It, was, it, it took quite a few sheets to, <laughs> to pick all that stuff up. But we, it, it looks pretty good for you watching on uh, Facebook right now. That's when you got that. I got a long middle finger. When, some people have figured that out after in my previous you can, life. You can stop now. In my previous <laughs> life, yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, anyway. <laughs> Moving right along. All right. So uh, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and I'll let uh, Elizabeth say his name. Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg. <laughs> okay. Pete Buttigieg, uh, who was initially seen as a long shot black horse presidential contender, has surged within striking distance now. Now, this is in Iowa, all right, of former Vice President Joe Biden and Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren in the first in the nation Iowa caucuses. And you go, Dave, why are you talking about that? We are 105 days away. 105 days? 105 days. (laughs) It's close. Three and a half months. It'll happen faster than you think. Yeah. Once we get past, I'm just going to tell you now, once we get past Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, it's going to be right there. It'll be right on you. Because right now, that's what you're thinking about, a lot of you. Mm -hmm. You're already thinking about Thanksgiving. I know I am. Turkey, dressing. I'm thinking about, I'm already putting together, I'm already putting together the menu of my house. Pumpkin pie. Biden, long viewed as the Democratic frontrunner, is faltering in the wake of a debate performance last week that those surveys saw as disappointing. And add on top of that the whole Ukraine thing and add on top of that really bad fundraising. As you just heard me say, they don't think he has enough money to get to the general election. This is not good if you're the frontrunner. Well, the poll, which was taken Wednesday through Friday, here's how here's how it puts it. Biden is at 18%. Warren is at 17%. And Buttigieg, is that right? Is that close? You're getting better. I'm getting better at it. <laughs> it's better than what I used to call him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Zach's laughing because he knows what I used to call him. You're, at, you're in rare form today, at, Mr. At 13, Elswick. <laughs> at 13%. You look, you got to have fun doing this, man. You might when, as when well. You're, when you're watching the Democrats and they're serious about what they're saying, you got to laugh. When we got this clown show going on, you it better is. enjoy it. You better it. laugh. Uh, that's the standings right now in Iowa. Those are the uh, standings reflecting big changes in the uh, Suffolk USA Today poll, poll that was taken in Iowa. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing. Let me take you back to the end of June when Biden led Warren by double digits. And uh, the mayor of South Bend, I'll say it that way, how's that? <laughs> trailed at a distant 6%. And California Senator Harris who was then in second place after a strong showing in the first Democratic debate, now has plummeted 13 percentage points and is now in a three-way tie for sixth. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders earned 9% in this poll, the exact same number as in the June poll. And you and I had a great discussion over lunch at BJ's today, and if you've not eaten at BJ's, why haven't you? And no, they don't advertise with me. They're just that good that I want to talk about. Uh, bottom line is is that uh, I think Sanders is dead in water. He could put on a, a decent uh, case 
for winning the nomination and being how old is he now? Is he seventy? Seventy eight, I believe. Yeah, he. I mean, he's 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 elderly. Okay, when you're twelve years older than I am, you're elderly. I'm just saying. But then you have a heart attack, and you got to have a couple of stents put in. When people look at you, they don't look at you the same way they did before you had the heart attack. I think he's he might be start thinking about I don't know be a vice president or something like that. I mean seriously, I don't see people running to his campaign to join him. It might be why the mayor from South Bend picked up a few extra points. Some people may have traveled to him. That's true. I don't think there's much that Sanders can do or say at this point in the minds of the American voter. It's over. I mean, it's just I done. It they is. can spend money. They can do whatever. He can say whatever. But I think the American voter, in his mind, well, we've moved on. We've moved on. Well, David Pala Logos, director of the Suffolk Political Research Center, and I'm quoting him, Iowa is unquestionably up for grabs. Uh, the mayor of South Bend has found a lane as, and is accelerating toward the front of the pack, surpassing Bernie Sanders. All of this is happening while the number of undecided voters. Now, this should be scary for the candidates. Serious on the Democrats' say, Because the undecided voters continue to grow. Grow, not diminish. On the left. Grow on the left. Mm-hmm. As Democratic caucus goers pause to reevaluate the changing field. Yeah, we hear all these names, and these names sound pretty good, but they're watching these folks perform in these debates and everywhere else. It's not impressing the voters. The number of caucus goers who say they are undecided now in June was at 21%. Want to take a guess at what it is now? 30 you're very close. 29%. Pretty one close. one out third. of every three voters doesn't know who they're going to vote for. They're up for grabs. And you said how many uh, of those people at that Trump rally in Dallas? One out of every dem- five registered 20%. Democrat voter. All right. I'm just saying. And this is what I'm saying. The message that Trump is putting out. You know, once you get away from all the static and all the other garbage, the message he's putting out is resonating with people. People are hungry for our country to be on top again. Here's something else for you. Nearly two-thirds, 63% of the people they talk to say they might change their minds before the caucus. Wow. How many? 63%. And 29% don't know who they're supporting? Now, here's something. That's almost 100%, people. Yeah, and here's something from your Facebook, from the video today. We talked about this at lunch. We have someone well, tell me when we come back. Got it. Because we got the news. We'll be back in a moment. All right, let's come back and uh, let me let Elizabeth finish up what she was talking about. Well, first of all, the new bumper sticker. Oh, yeah. You forgot. Mark Pillow, thank you so much <laughs> for sending this to me uh, for the... For Bernie Sanders, 2020. Bernie on a gurney. 2020, baby. 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you can send your hateful, you know, I don't know, 
terrible language filled emails to Dave oh, yeah. at SalemLR.com. We get a good one. We'll post we'll re- it. I will read it on the air. <laughs> if we can. Yeah. If, if we can. Yeah. If it's, if it's arable. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. What were we talking about? I don't even remember now. I got so tickled about what, Bernie on the gurney. You, you were talking about, you said that was something, think about this, Dave, blah, blah. And then you, oh, and I said, darn, I'm, wait, it's gone now. It, it it's left, gone huh? now. All right. Anyway, the Grecian formula moment. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's just so much going on here. And no, Wayne Beach, I do not need any coffee. I have a coffee <laughs> I have a coffee pot right here He's in the studio. He's wearing his now, Wayne. Thank you. You know, I didn't get any you on me. You didn't get any on you? It was on the front uh-huh. of my chair, and it's on the floor. And it was all over the table, as you know, but we got that all cleaned well, up. Well, I was going to point out, you, you mentioned earlier about Pete Buttigieg mm-hmm. is rising in the polls, but we talked about this at lunch. Ah, Go. We talked about this at lunch. Somebody, we won't say who, but someone sent us a a post. It's on Facebook. It's on Facebook, all right. This individual says, I'm not ready to see Buttigieg kissing his husband on stage at the DNC convention. I know a lot of people think that that's ridiculous. Maybe. You know, somebody would bring that up. It's in people's minds, folks. It's in their minds. And it is I, in their mind. I know there's a lot. Are of people we ready that agree for a first individual. man? Are you ready for the president and his first man? I don't think so. Although some, I guess some males when they get married still call their spouses wives. I have no. I don't idea. understand. See, when you get into the whole thing about it, gets all mixed L- up. L T B G Q W X Y Z. They change everything. Well, the alphabet people were out in force over the weekend as well because we had this – I said I wasn't going to talk about this, but we had this thing on the weekend about making sure that menstrual products are available to unemployed people. Did you see this, Zach? Yeah. National period day. National period day. Now, it went, it went crazier than that, though, because, you know, men, trans men have periods. What? Yeah. Don't even – I can't go any further. Well, yeah, well, it I was guess. really out of hand. Now, I was, it was I really can, out of I hand. can understand where trans men have period because they're not men; they're That's women. Right? They're women. <laughs> if, it if gets real mixed if you're up a guy real fast, and you don't have a branch and berries, you're not a guy. <laughs> Sorry. Someone I know said, "If you do this and look down your pants and you can't figure it out, do we really want you to be president?" Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm with them on that, and I saw that the the trans guy. Won the women's national cycling race or something over the weekend. Of course, guy born as a guy and whatever, and and now they're they came out. I don't think it was CDC, but somebody else came out with a study saying even if they reduce your testosterone, testosterone. levels, you still, as a male have a decided advantage over the females that you're racing against physiologically on the average about 20 percent okay bigger stronger more muscle blah 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 it's a guaranteed given if you've got a physiological male in a sports competition they're going to win over a physiological female period just so everybody will know because you know we talk politics a lot but we're really starting to rev it up here on the Dave Ellswick Show, because we're moving into the 2020 election. 100 days away. If you don't think we are, uh, two weeks from today, 
in the rotunda of the state capitol. I'll be doing my show Are live. Are you ready? They're going to have people coming over and paying their money to run. Filing day. Filing day, yeah. Because the primary that's, here that's in Arkansas is in March, early March. Yeah, early next year because it's a presidential election year. Wait till we have that great ice storm we always get in about January. Hush. And people are hush. out campaigning trying to get votes for the primary in March. Yeah, hush. <laughs> it's anyway, insane. well, just know, Zach, that you'll be over at the uh, Capitol with me two weeks from today. We'll broadcast live for that. See who we can catch? Yeah. I had to call over to, uh, I got to call uh, Thurston and get that all, you know, make sure they got my table set up and stuff. Because I don't want to be up on the on the third floor. I want to be right there on the second floor with everybody um, in in the mix so that we can talk. Very near the, the signing desk, Yeah, hopefully. so that we can talk to everybody. <laughs> the noise level will be incredible. I'm sure that uh, Chairman Webb will have no problem with that. He'd look forward to us being there for that. All right, so. Sanders, we just got done talking about Bernie on a gurney. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about Bernie Sanders. Uh, over the weekend, AOC she endorsed him. She endorsed. Wait him. a minute, who endorsed Bernie? AOC. I thought we didn't M- like M- old white men. Well, no, she she talked about that. Oh, cut number seven. Or the senator cannot do this by ourselves. <laughs> As a woman of color, why back an old white guy? And is this the future of the party? I'm actually very excited about this partnership because it shows what we have to do in our country, is that we have to come together across race, across gender, across generation. Did you meet with other candidates before making your decision? I did, yes. Senator Warren? Yes. What was that conversation like? You know, I think she's a fabulous candidate, and so... Frankly, Senator Sanders, Senator Warren, and myself are all on the same team in the party. If you are the nominee, Senator, would you consider the Congresswoman as your running mate? Well, I think I'm too young for that. <laughs> there you go. She's excellent. Would you work in a Sanders administration, a Sanders White House? Yes, you would. <laughs> well, I know. I guess I know you asked. <laughs> there you go. All right. Did you catch that little hint in there? Yeah. Elizabeth and I and Bernie were well, all on the same well, page. Let me tell you, here's what she said. Cut number six. We have to come together across race, across gender, across generation. Did you meet with other candidates before making your decision? I did. Yes. Senator Warren? Yes. What was that conversation like? You know, I think she's a fabulous candidate. And so... Frankly, Senator Sanders, Senator Warren, and myself are all on the same team. We're all on the The same same team. team. All right, there you go. Which brings us to what AOC thinks, and who cares, but uh, (laughs) what does she think about the uh, primary field? Here's what she had to say. We right now have one of the best democratic presidential primary fields in a generation and much of that is thanks to the work that bernie sanders has done in his entire life in this new historic freshman congressional class an overwhelming amount of them now reject corporate PAC money that's thanks to bernie amount 
of the House of Representatives endorse Medicare for all. That's thanks to Bernie. There you go. It's true, Dave. Bernie, back in 216, was considered to be way out there on the left and just half crazy. And now look at everything he's done and said seems pretty normal for the left. That's because the Democratic Party has left the majority of their own people. That's what I was getting at. I think they've left behind a large majority of their own voters because there's a huge number of folks that are really not at all happy with this far-left ridiculousness. Now, Beto, you notice I haven't mentioned, uh, what's his first name, Frank? Robert Francis, Yeah, I Robert think. Francis O'Rourke. He's not Hispanic, folks. He's Irish. He wants to be. Yeah, he wants to be Hispanic, you know. But I guess you can identify as Hispanic. I guess that that's the key. He can identify (laughs) as Hispanic. But Carlos, uh, here's what he, uh, (laughs) Carlos Danger. Here's here's what (laughs) here's what Beto had. This is what he thinks of his own country. Cut number nine. Can I use the example of because despite my obvious pride. In the role that our community plays in the civil rights history of America, despite what I think we represent to this country and to the rest of the world about the genius of America, being able to integrate people who come from everywhere and call this country home, trying to do better for themselves and their kids, but also seeking to do better for all of us, we are still connected to the rest of this country. As Dr. King reminded us, each of us is caught in an inextricable network of mutuality. Listen. Tied in a single garment of destiny. This country, though we may not be in El Paso, Texas, is still racist at its foundation, at its core, and throughout this system. That's all this I need. Country, I, want, I want do me a favor. I want you to pull that out, uh, Zach, so we can play that over and over. This country. Yeah, this country, he, now he caveated that. He said, this country, maybe not El Paso, this country <laughs> is still racist at its foundation, at its core. That's what these people believe. I bet you Warren believes that. Sanders oh, believes that. No doubt. Cortez believes that. Uh, the South Bend mayor believe All of them believe that at the core of America— and we're the core, people who support Trump. We're the core are a bunch of racists. Of course. I just kind of wonder, though, what would it take? I mean, well, first of all, I don't believe this. You can't ask a serious question of the other side because I don't believe they have a serious answer. But if you were to ask them seriously, what is racism? What, what, what could you do to fix this? What would it mean to you if we weren't racist? I don't think they'd have an answer. I don't no, think I they agree. could tell you. So, you know, they just like to throw that word around because it's like throwing a grenade and everywhere it lands, it sets a little fire. And that's all they really want to do is set everything Here's on the key. fire. I don't understand how it can still have as much power as it has had. But it doesn't. Back in the 70s, because uh, I had it hurled at me back then when I worked for the Chicago Sun because we were doing stories on Jesse Jackson and Operation Breadbasket. And how dare you? Your skin is white. And that's correct. And But I was working with a diverse team of people because that's the only way that you could infiltrate and get the information that you needed. And uh, we knew that they were misusing funds 
and we were doing stories on it, and we got attacked by the TV stations as being where we racially motivated. And the publishers stopped doing the series. So it's been working for a long time. That's what, what I'm saying. saying. This yes. word has been so powerful yeah. and been used for a long time. One of the few times that I think Lenny Bruce was wrong. All right, <laughs> Lenny Bruce used to say, if you use the words that people think have a lot of power and you use them over and over and over again, and in his time it was profanity, and the F word was the big mm-hmm. one, because you get arrested for using the F word in public back in the day in the 50s. Uh, he said it would lose its power, which it has. I mean, go to a football game or a baseball game and listen to the conversations around you, and you'll hear that word flung around like it's nothing, like it's, you know, hey, what's happening kind of thing. But the bottom line is that that term racist hasn't reached that critical mass yet. I would say that's because the media continues to, you know, spread the false narrative about what it what they think it means that we're just horrible this goes back to the colonial colonialism the whole thing with obama you know we're we're, america should never be here because we're just we're oppressing everyone because this country is still racist at its foundation at its core that's right that's right the exact same thing that you know, Obama was saying we're not I don't know what it is because brown skinned people. I don't know. I just I can't I've never gotten a straight answer from anybody on the left on that one. I don't understand what we could do to make it any different to make them happy. I think they just use the word. All right. We got more for you here on the Dave Ellswick show. Elizabeth and I will be back. We got to get another break in. Let's do that. Zach, it's all yours. All right. So before we go to break. Booker was out and about. Talking, news shows, things of that nature. Spartacus. Yeah, Spartacus. Forgot about that. <laughs> I am Spartacus. Every time I see his face, I'm sorry. <laughs> we need to pull that part out of uh, out of the movie when everybody's saying, I am Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> you know, we need to get that. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, he was it during the Kavanaugh hearings that he said that? Yes. Yeah. I'm Spartacus. You know, I'm making my stand. Yeah. I am Spartacus. Anyway. He admitted that his party doesn't know what the articles of impeachment would be. Let's hear that. That's cut number 10. But my question to you is, what is your recourse and what could you do, you personally as a senator and Democrats in general, if Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell doesn't go for it, doesn't do a full trial in the Senate, but tries to rush this through either in a few hours or just rejects it out of hand? Well, first of all, Jonathan, I've, I've stopped short of saying what my vote will be as a juror because I, re- I respect the process. I respect the Constitution. I don't even know what the articles of impeachment are going to be right now. <laughs> we respect the process. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, you can laugh at that one. We respect the process so much, we're not even going to have a vote in the House. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you like that there, Zach? <sighs> you think Booker doesn't know how he'd vote on on, on Trump if they, it gets to the Senate? Do you think most of the people watching this man does do not know what he's <laughs> going to do? Laugh. Come on. I mean, for God's sakes, he's Spartacus. <laughs> this is a man who wears a loincloth. <laughs> I'm just saying. What the crap? Um, unbelievable. Clown show. 
They, they are. Clown show. It really, really is. I mean, Senator Lindsey Graham talked about impeach, impeachment over the weekend. Cut number 11. Yeah, impeachment's a bunch of bull. Impeachment is BS. Impeachment is Well, you are certainly revenge. fired up today. The president's done nothing wrong. Well, I know the president, the president uh, has done, you know. And that's I, I, my open today. Well, but here's the question. You, what, what are you going to do, do when it gets I'm, to the Senate? If it gets to the Senate. It's going to die. It's going to be dead on arrival. You have to hold a trial. But if impeachment is based on the transcript of the phone call between Trump and the president of the Ukraine, that was a good phone call. It's not an impeachable offense. And to those who are listening, the Ukraine was involved in our elections in 2016. There are some people in the Ukraine that put a hit job on Manafort, the president's campaign right. manager. Politico wrote an article about Ukrainian interference in the American 2016 election, but nobody gives a damn because it involves Democrats. So Durham, uh, the uh, U.S. attorney up right. in Connecticut, is looking at this. So it is okay for the president to want to find out what role the Ukraine played in interfering in our election. It was okay for Mueller to look at the Trump campaign, but it's also okay for somebody to look at the Democrats and the Ukraine. I got to tell you, over the last few months, I'm probably 90% in agreement with Senator Lindsey Graham. I mean, he gets off, as far as I'm concerned, sometimes he does things that I'm not with, but on all of the stuff that's been going on lately, I've been with him. I like okay. what he had to say there. I like what he has to say, but I'm not seeing any action. Oh. He's talking a lot. Yeah, but, but he, he used of, to not even talk a lot. Right, but he's head of the, is it judicial, the judiciary, judiciary in the Senate? He could he could be calling people in and having them testify and doing things, and he ain't doing squat. I think he said that some of the people that he wants to have on, he's allowing them to appear in the house first so that he can short circuit what they've said in the house. It was about a week and a half ago. So I'm probably a little late, but a week and a half ago or so he was saying, I don't want to lower ourselves to that level well, of being on the same level as those people. Well, I'm know, hoping that when we get to the, we get to the, uh, get to CPAC or whatever that he shows up. I would love to have him on and talk to him. It'd man. be fun to talk to him. Yeah, he would But be I'm fun. telling you, if the Democrat House brings impeachment, the Senate's going to have to deal with it. Well, yeah. I mean, and they're going to bring it. Constitutionally, they have to do it. They're going to bring it. It, it. Doesn't, it's going to It doesn't to mean that it's going to be uh, a 14-week trial or no. something. It, I mean, in all honesty, if, if Mitch McConnell wanted to, if he has the votes and knows he has them, Here's what they're doing right now. I'm going to tell you what Mitch McConnell is doing right now. He is going to figure out what do we absolutely have to do. We're going to find him not guilty. So what do we absolutely have to do so that independent voters won't turn against us? That's probably exactly what they're working on. Which I'm, means they have, a pre, they, they have a preconceived idea of what they're going to do when it gets to the Senate. Oh, my gosh. They're going to have to do something. Because stuff. it's not legitimate, folks. It's not legitimate. Yeah. They're doing this behind closed doors in the basement. See, we give the, the Democrats, Democrats all kinds of, of ammunition if it came and they just said, we're not even going to hear it. There's not enough here to hear about what the president did. Done. If he did that... It's going to give the media a narrative that they can go crazy over. So they will 
have some kind of pseudo trial, of procedural something. I see. I see it happening, but I'm just telling you, they're not going to find the president guilty. Take that to the bank. Put it in your low interest drawing account. We'll take a break. We got more coming your way here on the Dave Elfrey Show. You can tell Pierre. Yeah, tell Pierre. You know that Romney guy. to be back in the studio i'm gonna be honest with you we like going out and doing things like we did last thursday while we were down in dallas covering the trump rally but when you're out of your studio there's things that go on around you you have no control over whatsoever and uh, that can be a little bit intimidating at times more so to be honest with you for zach because when i get on the air i get zoned in I'm 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 working hard to try to bring content that I think that you'll find interesting and so you know last Thursday I was working uh just talking with Zach to make sure we were that the uh, radio show was getting out on online I knew we were having problems on Facebook but they were having problems with the president from uh, streaming his own thing and let me tell you what uh, if the president's having problems with their technology, I know I'm going to have problems with my Mevo, okay? And we did. But, uh, you know, I was working with Jan. I was working with Seth Mays from the RNC to make sure we got guests on that would have information that I thought you would want to hear about. Tommy Hicks was tremendous. I mean, he's the co-chair. And we talked money. And I just mentioned that at the beginning of the show day because – what do I always say about money? Money is the mother's, mother's milk, milk of politics. politics. If you've got enough money, you have a shot at being elected. And if you've got a whole lot more money than the other guy, exponentially, your chances go through the stratosphere. More money than any campaign in history. That's what the Trump campaign has. And really, when you look at the president's approval ratings right now, which I think are about 43%, maybe a little lower, but they're higher than what Barack Obama's were at the same time in his presidency. You're not going to hear that in the news. I know that. But I'm just saying that that's the truth. I'm not making that up. That's the truth. That is the truth. And he's raising a whole lot more money. Than what Barack Obama did. And and I remember everybody was going, oh, my God, look how much money Obama has. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. The the media went crazy over it. Yeah. But are they even telling you about Trump? Yeah, they're not even talking about it. Are they even telling you about Trump? No. They're not even talking about it. So uh, anyway, 
we've got a special part interview, an interview we're going to play. This comes from Epoch News. The All Epoch right. Times. Okay, Times. They have, this is a gentleman who started his own website, conservative website. It's very good, by the way. It's, you got to, you got to uh, pay a little bit of money uh, to get it. Uh, mm-hmm. But there, there's a segment in it where you, you got these interviews with the movers and shakers. And uh, Elizabeth was talking to me today and says, "Have you seen the uh, this this interview with uh, Kimberly Strassel, uh, who is with the Wall Street Journal?" Now, let me just say that when she said WSJ uh, at the end, <laughs> yeah, I, I I pulled the my my cross necklace that i had and put it up in front of me uh to ward off evil spirits conjuring yeah back you know but but uh she talked about what's going on right now in politics from a cultural perspective basically and it's very interesting and so i'm going to play it for you in the last hour today she has a new book, and the title of the book, Resistance at All Costs, How Trump Haters Are Breaking America. Yeah. And again, we all, I we, think, understand. And what she's saying, we have, they're resisting him at all costs. We have to resist them at all costs. That's true, because it's not just only about getting what they would like to have, which is getting Trump out of office. That's correct. They're ripping America apart. And they know that they're doing just it. like they do in partial birth abortions when they pull babies out piece by piece. Mm-hmm. Evil people. But she does. She talks about how are Trump haters different than Trump critics? Um, how this movement now, the resistance, which, by the way, harkens back to some other stuff way back in World War One and World War Two, makes you think of a lot of different things. How is the resistant resistance different from the past political movements of various kinds. She talks about how the media is involved (laughs) and what it means in the bigger picture, the bigger picture. It's not just about Trump. And, oh, by the way, it's not just about invalidating half the country's vote either. Yeah, I'm just just saying to you that this is – everybody says this is the most important election ever. Uh, I'm not going to say it that way, but I'm going to just tell you. If the Democrats get in, America as you know it, and you, and the changes you saw during Obama, that will pale. Mm-hmm. It will pale to what the Democrats want to do this time around. I mean, they look at Obama as not being leftist enough by Absolutely. a long shot. Absolutely. They look at, at him as being almost a centrist, and he was anything but a centrist. I still say he was put up to do what he did by somebody. I said it from the very first moment. So anyway, it's important. I want you to listen at 5 o'clock to this interview. It's well worth it. Yeah. It is well worth it. And it's entertaining to listen to. She's very entertaining, very interesting. It is a conversation. There's no yelling. There's no name calling. Here's the key. I try as hard as I can to... Keep the keep the information coming to you so that you can make 
logical, deductive, reasoned decisions. And it's getting harder and harder to bring good information to the table. It's harder to find it. It's harder to understand whether it's valid or not. That's the one thing that I will say about Salem is that their talk show hosts, for the most part, Joe Walsh is gone, so I can talk about him. What a loser. But the bottom line is you you got people on there. I mean, Gorka, you've got Prager. you got guys that are smart Knocking it out of the people park. that can talk to you about the issues and help you understand the issues more than, hey, do you know that President, former President Obama is endorsing Trudeau who wore blackface? Who cares? I don't care what's happening in Canada. Who, who cares? Who care? I don't care. Uh, I care about what's happening in our nation. We have our plate more than full now. We have to take care of what's happening yeah. here. Well, I love America, and I want us to keep up on what's going on here uh, in America. With that in mind, let's hear what people have to say out there. What are the politicians talking about, the movers and shakers or whatever? O'Rourke. You know, got to get to this Irish guy again today. And what he has to say about Trump's rhetoric. Check this out. This is about a four-minute clip, so hang with it. Now, how do you view the president with two-part question here? How do you view the president reversing on uh, saying he's going to have the GC, uh, G7 conference uh, at his hotel and resort, the Doral in Florida? It's not happening, Now he's saying way. he will not. And how do you deal with what is clearly uh, a, in my opinion, empty five-day uh, ceasefire commitment uh, from Turkey to uh, Secretary Pompeo and Vice President? President Pence, when we're seeing actual fighting going on. You know, President Trump, perhaps inspired by Goebbels and the propagandists of the Third Reich, seemed to employ this tactic that the bigger the lie, the more obscene the injustice, uh, the more dizzying the pace of this bizarre behavior, the less likely we are to be able to do something about it. And so I'm so grateful that not only is the House moving forward with impeachment, but that the public really began to rise up when the president sought to enrich himself by hosting the G7 summit at one of his own properties. This administration, rife with corruption, is finally coming to a reckoning with the public will of this country. So I think it's a good sign that he was caught, that he was stopped, that he can no longer normalize the behavior that we've seen so far. When, when it comes to Syria, this is just one of the most tragic embarrassing moments in American history to to turn our backs on our allies. And Reverend Sharpton, I heard what you said earlier. These Kurdish fighters literally laid down their lives for this country and made it possible for us to send fewer U.S. service members over there to do the job of defeating ISIS and protecting our interests. So not only have we dishonored that commitment, we made it far less likely that we will be able to uh, bring other potential allies in the future to our cause and to fight alongside U.S. service members. We've got to correct this injustice as soon as we can and reestablish the stature and standing and security of the United States on the global stage. Did I hear you correctly say that perhaps he was influenced by Gurgel and the Third Reich in terms of uh, uh, telling a big lie? I just want to make sure that's what I heard you say. That's right. There is so much that is resonant of the Third Reich in this administration, whether it is 
attempting to ban all people of one religion and saying that Muslims are somehow inherently dangerous or def defective or disqualified. Uh, outside of Nazi Germany, it's hard for me to find another modern democracy that had the audacity to, to say something like this. And then this, this idea from Goebbels and Hitler that the bigger the lie and the more often you repeat it, the more likely people are to believe it. Um, that, that is uh, Donald Trump to Mike a um, the things that he says about immigrants committing crimes, being rapists, um, being predators and animals, seeking to dehumanize them. That's how we get them in cages. That's how we lost the lives of seven children in our custody and care. Uh, talking about African-American women duly elected by their constituents as somehow being less than American and telling them to go back to their own country or calling white supremacists and neo-Nazis and Klansmen very fine people. The signal that he is sending is being picked up by Americans who are willing to to work on that hatred and racism. And Reverend Sharpton, we saw it brought home to us in El Paso on August 3rd when someone repeating the president's own words in his manifesto opened fire on people in El Paso, Texas, killing 22 of them in a Walmart on the Saturday before school started yeah. that next Monday. So this is the cost and consequence of Donald this Trump. This is the cost and consequence of Donald Trump. There's more, there's tons of of Nazism in his campaign. It's what it is. I use Goebbels. Cat, that's the pot calling the kettle black. Where I'm to begin? Saying. Where to begin? <laughs> this is projection on a major scale by O'Rourke. There's no doubt about it. Unbelievable. Projection being when you accuse the other guy of doing you, what you're already you, doing. You've been doing for a yeah, whole Yeah, what you're long already time. doing, been doing, have always done, and continue to do. I have to be honest with you. I don't know why I play the guy. Every time I play him, <laughs> I throw up in my mouth. It's just uh, he, he tries anything to, to see if it will stick. I think and he's a publicity hound. Well, of course he is. He can't stand it if the camera's not I pointed mean, right at him. He's done. He's finished. I mean, you're you're not on one of the biggest uh, television talk shows when you're doing Sharpton's show. I mean, does it get out very far beyond, you know, Watts anymore? I'm I didn't just know he even did a show still. You know? <laughs> I thought CNN cut him. He used to be on, or was he on MSNBC? I wouldn't know. I don't he was watch on those one networks. Of the, he was one of the lesser-known networks. I know that. You know, Al Sharpton. The torchbearer of truth. <laughs> uh, let's, Sharpton? You know, that was said. You saw, you saw what was dripping out of my mouth when I said that. I mean... That what he did with that black woman there in New York City was disgusting. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean seriously, it seriously was. But oh, anyway, O'Rourke, O'Rourke, yes, Reverend Sharpton. Yes, they're, they're, Reverend. Sharpton. They're some of the worst Nazis ever in the uh, you know Trump campaign. See that really, really resonated in the first couple of. Uh, years of the trump campaign not so much that's one of the things i will honestly say has burned out nazi doesn't work as well as it used to 
racism doesn't work quite as well as it used to, but yeah, the Nazi thing it works is, better is, than it's Nazi. gone. It's over. Yeah. That word doesn't mean much doesn't, anymore. They've overabused no. it. I mean, most people can look and say, well, nah, he hasn't killed six million Jews, and he didn't kill six million Muslims either. I mean, uh, the, the way that uh, he talked about how the uh, the president reacted to Islam uh, is ridiculous. The president said from areas where radical Islam was crazy, and we knew the areas, about six countries, we're going to make sure that those people are vetted very, very closely. He didn't say close down every mosque in America. He didn't, you know, want them to wear a patch on their shoulder or on the front of their... uh, their suit coat or, or anything like that. Come on. You know, that that's the kind of talk that the media should be talking about of how ridiculous it is and how it starts violence. If you want to use that type of uh, logic in uh, what you talk about with the Trump campaign. Not only that, but by triviali- trivializing what happened in the Holocaust— it's the cancel culture all over again. In other words, they're going to cancel that part of our history as well, and it won't mean anything. Well, Omar and those guys just wish it had been 9 million Jews instead yeah, of 6. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm just being honest. I'm hey, totally let, sure of that. Let's, let's be honest here, all right? She hates Israel. Well, she says she so. She said so. She said so. That's not an assumption. No, it is not. She doesn't think that their country should exist. So... That's just the bottom line of that. And I just would like to know how long she would last if she weren't behind our borders. Well, that's okay? true. That's true. With her opinions and her with, rhetoric. But, of course, but with which one of her husbands? <laughs> that's a good question, the, Dave. Her brother that the she was married to? The brother or the other husband or the guy that she's the been screwing yeah. around with. Uh-huh. All right. Anyway, let's come back <laughs> with more here in a moment. Let's talk a little bit about Syria that's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so let's talk just a little bit about uh, this whole thing dealing with uh, Syria. Uh, After the news, I'll play about a five-minute cut from Pompeo. Really important things for him uh, to talk about as far as that's concerned. Lindsey Graham over the weekend uh, had some things to say about it. I got a minute cut here. Got time to get it in? Uh, Yes. If we play it right now, here's cut five. We've got a really good team. The vice president did a terrific job. So let me tell you where I think we are. Withhold judgment as to what's going to happen in Syria until it's all in. I am increasingly optimistic that we can have some historic solutions in Syria that have eluded us for years if we play our cards right. I blame Erdogan for, for the invasion, not Trump. But here's what the president told me over the weekend. Here are our objectives to make sure we have a demilitarized zone between Turkey and the Kurds. The Kurds were the allies who helped us defeat ISIS. They lost 10,000 soldiers. We've lost eight in four years, God bless the eight, but it was the Kurds who did most of the fighting. Protect our NATO ally Turkey from elements of the Kurds that they considered to be terrorist. A demilitarized zone uh, occupied by international forces, no Americans, but we provide air power. The president appreciates what the Kurds have done. He wants to make sure ISIS does not come back. I expect we will continue to partner with the Kurds in the eastern Syria 
to make sure ISIS does not reemerge. That is in our national security interest. There you go. Talking about eastern Syria. He's talking about oil fields. Yeah, pretty, pretty straightforward there. All right, we got to pause for the news. Going to bring you up to date on the news, and then we're going to come back, and I want you to hear what the Secretary of State has to say about Syria. And I'll have, and hey, the only place you're getting it is here on this show. I'm just telling you that right now. Okay, let's continue here on Dave Ellswick's show. By the way, Russ, come here. Come here real quickly. Grab a grab the microphone there. It's kind of loose, but I got I got a question to ask you. I've got I have a little known fact for you. The guy that invented the frisbee, he passed away just a few years oh, ago. Oh no! Yeah, he, Mr. Whammo. Uh, it wasn't Whammo. <laughs> who it was. Uh, bottom line is, how old do you have to be to know that? When they when they when when they had his funeral, they cremated him. You know where they buried his ashes? This is true. Where? They made frisbees out of it. Did they really? Yeah, they made, they frisbees. made frisbees out of it and sold uh, them. Yeah, made frisbees out of them. Evidently, there was a special Did website they, you they, had they, to go. They didn't. Okay. Then, I mean, it's not like they put them on. That would have been, been really creepy to put them, put them up on the shelf at Walmart. <laughs> Although it would be fitting. Yeah, it would have been fitting. It absolutely would have you know, been. You know the original name of that company? What, Whammo? No. Who? Oh, Frisbee? What was it? The Frisbee Pie Company. The Frisbee Pie? Did they make him into a pie, too? Now that's where the name came from. That's I'm just where the saying, name that came would, from. That gets stuck in your throat. Oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, they made him. They took his ashes and made frisbees. Walter Frederick Morrison. There he is. Does it have it on there? Does and it say there? And his partner, Warren Francione, invented a plastic version of the frisbee. Does it talk about making them into frisbees after they died, or at uh, least one of them? I don't think so. This is just about frisbees. Well, one of them was made into a frisbee, at least. I don't know if both of them were, but one of them was. See if you can throw it across the ocean and watch it trail into dust as it struggles. <laughs> and, and it across. was Mr. Whammo. He that was the, another company that he was part well, of. Well, I remember Whammo. Sure, doesn't Whammo still exist? I don't, I don't know. know. If it does or not? We'll have to look <laughs> up and see. I'm feeling really old if all the companies I used to buy our toys are going out of business. Yeah, yeah, here it the, the fact that I the fact that I remembered Whammo was, I mean, it's not like log. Well, there's yeah. another one. There's another company out there. Remember the the guy that was always on television selling stuff made by this company? You know the the pocket fisherman and all that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Ronco. Yes, Ronco. Remember Ronco? I don't know if Ronco still gave, exists or not. It, it wasn't Mr. Morrison, as it turns out. That's somebody. Ed Hedrick was the inventor at Whammo who patented the design for the modern frisbee. Okay, so I got. So I'm not sure I'm whether we're. I've got to search this out now. Yeah, we're talking about which Morrison. One we're talking about Hedrick. I don't know. Had his ashes put in the frisbees. Well, anybody whose name is Ed Hedrick or uh, Max Hedrum, as we would we would know him, Ed Head. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I just thought you'd find that interesting. See, I, used to I know be you're a... like me. You like trivia stuff like that. That's that's interesting. I, you know, and just the fact that uh, he he was able to. Uh, Okay. I don't know how much he made off of the frisbee. 
But the the family still live in the I royalty bet, zone. I don't know now. Now, if it's the guy that worked for Whammo and came up with it, I well here but we he, go. He got the patent for it, though, so he should have made some extra money off of it. Yeah, here here we go. Did I ever it tell you is, about uh, you know Ed the Hedrick. Hold on a second. Do you know the swoosh? Yeah. Okay. Do you know young how much? Girl, you know how girl. much that woman from Oregon made off of that? She made like thirty something dollars, I think. Fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. Fifty dollars. Yeah. Sold the, the sold the sold the rights to it for fifty bucks. Yeah. And that guy's never given her a penny. She, he gives the he gives her football team at the university a new uniform every week. She don't he don't give her squat. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> it really is. I'd find amazing. her personally and write her a billion dollar check. Yeah, I don't know really? if I'd write a okay. billion dollar check. A million dollar check. I might give her, you know, hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> double your money. Yeah, I'll double that for you. Cost you the price of a pen and a and a and a napkin. She looked it up. She's got information. Here's the rest of the story. It is Steady Ed Edward Hedrick made his wishes clear to his family in the weeks before his death. This was, hang on, when did he die? He died in 2002. I knew it was fairly recently. So it's recently. been a while. 16 yeah, years. While. That's still recently. Uh, for years, he used to for joke him. about saying yeah, he me. wanted to live on as a Frisbee. We always thought he was joking, but he made it clear he was serious. He wanted us to use his ashes to make some Frisbees. Told you. He said he even hopes we throw them around in his honor. So they were working. This was written back then, and it says the details and the plans for a museum are still being worked out. I got to look and see if I can buy a Frisbee that's got the inventor's ashes in it. I kinda, I I kinda, I that would be something I'd like that. to hang here in the studio. That okay. would be. That would be. <laughs> okay, what was the original name of the Frisbee? Now, I was a Frisbee kid Frisbee when I was pie. in college. Yeah, that's the name of the company that oh, it was okay. kind of, they pulled the name from. Was I was it? a Frisbee kid. I was really, really good at it at yeah, one I time. Yeah, I did. I really, played it really in, good. in college. Behind I, my back, a lot of it, yeah. you know, all that sure. stuff. We, you know, Frisbee golf, all that stuff. Yeah. No guesses? I have no idea. Disco? The flying disc. You're clo- the Pluto platter. The Pluto, the Pluto platter. platter. Hmm. I remember, a, I remember named that. Named after a non-existent planet. <laughs> my dad saw it, it as a playful sport now? that anyone yeah. could play not just for kids and they donated disc golf equipment for many many years to recreational programs for underprivileged youth so he was a good guy okay so let me let me ask zach zach how much how much frisbee do you even know what? what i'm talking about a what grab your microphone now, Zach is 24 years old, all right? Do you even know what a Frisbee is, Zach? I was playing Ultimate Frisbee months ago. All right. Okay. Yeah. Do you See? Do you play Frisbee much? Just whenever I can. Okay. Enduring through the ages. Are you good at it? <laughs> uh, I'm okay. It's all in the wrist. Do you do it's a two-finger throw or a three-finger throw? Four fingers. Four fingers. <laughs> all right. Do you do an overhand or you flip it underhand? Underhand. There you go. I'm just saying. You got to flip it flat, folks. That's what gets the distance. Yeah. <laughs> I love or you it. You could start at the top of the seventh story building and throw it out the window. <laughs> I love. That's where my that we actually when I was at ASU in Jonesboro, we were in in Twin Towers. I know that building. Yes. <laughs> you used to throw twin, up between twin, them? Twin toilets. Twin no, toilets. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't throw them between the buildings. We started Frisbee golf from the top, of the, from the top floor. Okay. And throw them off the roof. You throw, we weren't on the roof. No, they wouldn't let us up Oh, we there. went up on the roof. <laughs> yeah, we were, 
We were up on the seventh floor, and and we would toss it out. Toss them out the windows. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> now, Elizabeth, our you're, game you're, golf. I went to school at ASU. I know what he's you talking about. You are a very adventuresome person, Elizabeth. Would you put on one of those squirrel outfits <laughs> and jump off the top of one of those towers and and like float around the campus? I don't think so. You know what I'm talking about? The flying squirrel. The flying yeah. squirrel. <laughs> you know that guy's dead. The guy who devised that, because he, he fell. He, yeah, he Sorry, crashed. That was not into a tree. He did. He crashed. Not good. Seriously, that's not oh, the way. Well. That's not the way you want to your life. Seen, I guess doing what you love, I guess, is all right. But, but you've still. seen those extreme videos of the folks that put the suits on They're and nuts. they do jump off the top of these mountains. How fast they go. And they just go flying down through. I don't know how they land. I've never seen anybody land. It's but I've literally seen the videos. Like the, it's scary. The parachutes that you have that you pull and it you know, pulls you up. And oh, is drops, that, is right that how it works? They flex their arms somehow. And turn around. Is that yeah. how, I mean, because all I've ever seen is them flying down, you know, and you're looking down this abyss and going hundreds go. of miles an hour oh gosh it's scary as i'll get out Woo. i have a hard enough time getting up on the roof of this building to look <laughs> at the satellite that's right dish. you don't like heights <laughs> no i don't like uh, yeah i don't like heights don't like heights not at all zach are you adventuresome do you do stuff like that do you do crazy stuff have you ever been hang gliding or anything i don't want to tempt fate you don't want to tempt now, fate. bungee jumping that's another issue I'd, like to, I'd never done it but i'd do it if I got okay. an opportunity, I've done that. I've 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 done hang gliding. I'd I, like to try it. I went off Grandfather's Mountain, over in Tennessee with a hang glider. Yeah, fun. Back in the day, I'm like I'm by talking yourself. With, I'm talking no, a couple other you guys. Did a buddy but I'm, ride? I'm just talking uh, by myself on the hang glider. Yeah, I mean, there's ones that you can get that are dual. You know, kind of yeah, like when you go rides. Yeah. when you take off on uh, and do uh, you know skydiving. Mm-hmm. You know, they strap you to them and jump out of a plane with you. Looking like a little baby, kind of in front, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I I've walked out of some perfectly good airplanes with static lines, and uh, yeah. and and done that. But I'm just saying, I don't have. I like doing stuff like that. I got a little bit of that adrenaline rush junkie in me. I'm like it. up thinking about it right now. And if you give me a few cores light. It goes up. <laughs> it goes up. I may even hand you my Coors Light and say, "Watch this." <laughs> Just That's before the I beginning die. of every bad story. <laughs> Just saying. All right, we'll take a break. We'll get back to politics. I promise, Pompeo. I'll give it to you when we come back about Syria on the Dave Ellswick show. Okay, so the Secretary of State Pompeo. On the talking hedge circuit, talking, and uh, we got a piece from uh, his uh, visits that he was doing, saying, despite the Syria pullout, efforts in crushing ISIS will continue. Well, look, ISIS has been crushed. In other words, the what they want to do is keep them squished. Well, the prisoners that are being Getting held out. have apparently been released and some of them recaptured since all this commotion started up since the uh, ceasefire in Syria. Yeah, yeah, well, ceasefire, they were able to capture some of those yeah they captured quite a few of them hopefully so they say hopefully they gave them a one bullet trial i don't know if they did or not i don't know if they put them back in prison or like i said gave them a one bullet trial uh pompeo talked about all of this and here it is for you and let me begin with what we just heard from that Kurdish commander says the Kurds are not happy that this is a betrayal that she fears will lead to genocide. 
George, uh, we need to go back to where this all began for the Trump administration. It began with uh, a situation in Syria where the previous president had drawn a red line and failed to enforce it. Uh, it began with uh, four million people in, internally displaced or even as many as six million people, half a million people killed. Uh, this administration came in when ISIS was on the rise. You remember, George, there were people in cages, heads being cut off. Uh, this administration came in and worked seriously alongside the SDF forces and our uh, allies as well uh, to build out a counter-ISIS coalition to take down that caliphate. And now the president believes we've accomplished a significant part of our mission and he wants our folks to come home. And we're beginning to work on that this week. Uh, Vice President and I traveled uh, to Ankara after Turkey had made its decision against the president's desire to make an incursion into Syria. And we uh, put out a joint statement, which we think will really save lives. It's worked so far. There's much work to be done to continue to implement it, but we're optimistic. I got a report within the last half hour from my senior leaders who indicate that there's uh, relatively little fighting, a little sporadic small arms fire, a mortar or two. But we got wounded out of a town called Ras al-An last night. And we're hoping that the uh, SDF forces will move out of those towns and this ceasefire that the Turkish leaders and the SDF leaders agreed to while we were on the ground in Ankara. Yeah, and the question hold. is, the question will be how far they have to remove. But as you know, those those, those feelings of betrayal uh, stated by the Kurdish commander right there are echoed by many of the president's allies uh, in Congress. We saw Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader, saying withdrawing from Syria is a grave mistake. He calls it a strategic nightmare. Lindsey Graham has raised concerns as well, as was Senator Marco Rubio on the Senate floor. Listen. We have these 2,000 troops working with the Kurds to keep ISIS from reemerging and to provide leverage in a future Syrian settlement to restrain Assad's power, to safeguard Kurdish interests, our partners' interests, and to limit Iranian influence. Every single one of those stated interests that was our policy less than two weeks ago has been wiped out. Senator Rubio was your first choice for president back in 2015. You cited the, the, the success you felt against ISIS over the last couple of years. The concern is that we're gonna, there's going to be backtracking on that now that we've abandoned the allies we were fighting with against ISIS. George, I, uh, I listened closely to what Senator Rubio said. Each of the interests that he identified, uh, this administration is still fully committed to. Uh, I can assure you that uh, the efforts to uh, push back against Iran are real and continuous, uh, unlike what the last administration did that picked Iran as its uh, strategic security partner uh, in the Middle East. Uh, we've taken an incredibly different approach to that, and the Islamic Republic of Iran is feeling it, and security, stability in the Middle East has increased because of the work we've done. Uh, the counter-ISIS campaign, I'm proud of the work uh, that our team has done under President Trump's leadership, not only in countering ISIS in Syria, you, you know, George, Syria's been a mess for an awful long time, uh, but countering ISIS all around the world. We've been serious about it. We've been thoughtful. We've been strategic. And we will continue but to make sure that we take, the, we take the primary effort, which is to make sure we keep the American people safe from the threats from radical Islamic terrorism wherever we find but it. But didn't the president put those gains at risk by pulling the troops out? We saw the fighting immediately. I'm very confident that this administration's efforts to crush ISIS will continue. And Lindsey Graham raises the other concern, about, as the Kurds are withdrawing from that border uh, with Turkey, that it would lead to a military occupation that displaces hundreds of thousands. He says that's not a safe zone. It's ethnic cleansing. Can you assure the Kurdish people and, you, and the president's allies in Congress that you will not be party to ethnic cleansing? 
George, we were very clear, and the vice president could not have been more clear when we were speaking with President Erdogan. Go take a look at the statement that was released jointly. Uh, no fewer than uh, three of the paragraphs were aimed squarely at ensuring that in this space, this Turkish-controlled space between Talabiyad and Ras Alan, uh, in that Turkish-controlled space, that there wouldn't be uh, attacks on minorities, uh, that this was about getting a ceasefire, a secure area, and that this, in fact, will save lives in that very space. That was our mission set. We accomplished, accomplished it, and now we need to make sure that the commitments that were made in that statement are honored. The Turks said they got everything they wanted. Yeah, I was there. Uh, it, it sure didn't feel that way uh, when we were negotiating. It was a hard-fought negotiation. It began before the vice president and I even arrived in Ankara. It lasted uh, hours while we were there. Uh, we, we achieved the outcome that President Trump sent us to achieve. There you go. And could, you know, Stephanopoulos ask the same question <laughs> anymore? I mean... He's not hearing the answer he wants. And that happened twice. It had happened to pompeo and the other one who was i mentioning that? oh it happened over the weekend with mike wallace yeah on wallace, Fox News yeah, chris Sunday wallace chris with wallace. mick mulvaney i'm sorry chris wallace you know mulvaney because he kept asking mulvaney about uh you know some things about the president and it was like about the quid pro quo thing yeah and no and matter what mulvaney he said no said, no he just, no 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 and he'd, he'd come back and ask it again yep until he thinks he's going to hear what is he wants real, to hear is there really Hey, what do you think? Is there uh, is there is there fractures within the Republican Party in the Senate, and people are there's twenty percent that are ready to vote him out of office? And Mulvaney said, "No, that's not happening." Well, wait a second. I had somebody tell me that uh, one person, you know, told that me. told me that at least twenty percent. What do you have to say about that? It's not happening. But consider for a moment. I mean, it was it uh, doesn't matter if you don't give them the answer they want to hear. They just kept come coming back, back about it time I mean, and time again. Pompeo has said we prefer peace to war, meaning America. It's what President Trump ran on. He says in the event that kinetic action or military action is needed, you should know that President Trump is fully prepared to undertake that action. But he is trying other approaches first. He the last thing you do is break things i'm just saying well and if that's what war is it's breaking things it's breaking people in pieces and stuff what's the phrase uh when we have such huge military might but we don't use it it's peace through strength strength he's going that route i lived he's building up the military i was part of sac all right Strategic Air Command. I just had a mental peace through strength. Yeah, I had a mental lapse there for a minute, but yeah, you know, he's building up the military, and he, I think you said it at lunch. We are not the policemen of the world, no. but if we are needed or called in, we should be in the position to completely annihilate. Do it. I know that you know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but let me tell you what: when you serve in the military, that is the job. Of the military. The job of the military is to go in and be done with and it. break things and kill people. And you may and not like to with. hear it that way, but that's exactly what our job is. Well, and someone told me a long time ago, and I don't remember which general we were discussing, and they said, don't you see, these people want to come in and do it and get it over with. They don't want these long, drawn-out, continual uh, deaths on the part of America, and we're not getting to the bottom line and getting it over with. That is not what our military is here for. And I think Trump believes that. He wants to try 
And I think he's been very successful. Again, you don't hear this on the news. The leaders that speak with him, I've watched so many of the press conferences when he has foreign leaders at the White House. You can tell, not listening to their words, you can tell by watching their body language that there is some sort of a relationship going on that's built on discussion and talk, not on threats. It's like what Pompeo said. A lot of people think, oh, it was easy to go over there and and talk to Erdogan, and he was all for this. You just heard what Pompeo said. Pompeo said. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that way at all. It took him and the, and, and the vice president hours to get this done. Well, and, you know, we've all heard about the letter, don't be a fool. <laughs> I'm all about that. Let me let me reiterate what I said about that. Don't be a fool. And who was uh, that? Said, Trump to Erdogan. To Erdogan. It was a private letter that he sent to him, and it got to got got out into the mainstream media. And the bottom line is, I'm all about my president telling some despot, "Hey, dude, wake up! You I'm, you pursue this, and I'm going to kick your rear I'm, end." I'm trying to give you a way to get it done here that's not going to hurt you too I'm bad. Gonna, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm, I'm going to hang take care of you. your buttocks around your ears. You're going to look like you're wearing two big earrings. I think that, that that's the kind of president I want. Well, and apparently Teddy it had Roosevelt some effect. Style. Yeah, it worked. Yes, the big stick. Yeah, mm-hmm. it worked. Don't want to have to use it. Carry the big stick. Well, you know what? Got to use it. Whack him a good one. Well, it's also kind of like what we said before about words. If he went around using it all the time, number one, we wouldn't have the resources we have. Power. It loses its power. Ask Obama. You know, but he's reserving this for the actual final step. And I think he would follow through, and you would be just what you said, annihilation. All right, a break. We'll come back 4 o'clock, just around the corner. those folks four o'clock don't get five o'clock special uh, segment with uh, one of the main writers for the wall street journal that you want to hear talking about culture i i can't say it any better than she does so why would i want to say it when she can say it so i'll play because she's already said it it's out there and we're going to play it for you in the five o'clock hour you won't want to miss it Right now, though, there's another story out there we haven't talked about, and that is Hillary, I'm a whack job Clinton, coming out and saying that Tulsi Gabbard is a Russian asset. I mean, this has gotten really, this story has gotten really bizarre. And I just heard a uh, talk show host on uh 
the, the it's not the view, it's the it's five. The five. The five say that Hillary's favorite shade of lipstick is bitterness. And it's true. Now, Tulsi Gabbard backed uh, Sanders in 2016. She says, Tulsi Gabbard, says that Hillary has never forgiven her for that. And knowing the bitter streak that woman has in her, I think I can understand why she would feel that way. So I have got this cut from uh, Tulsi Gabbard. you got to hear. We're going to play that first. Then I want you to hear what CNN has to say. Then I'm going to turn to Elizabeth, who is here as well, who says this all could be a very complex ruse uh, that we're saying. If uh, true. Here, if true. If true. Here's, here's Tulsi right now. People warned me in 2016 that my endorsement of Bernie Sanders would be the end of my quote-unquote political career. They said Clinton will never forget that she and her rich and powerful friends, her allies in politics and in the media will make sure that you are destroyed. Well, there have been countless hit pieces full of smears against me from day one of this campaign. They've tried to destroy my reputation and my lifetime of service because I stood up to them. I've spent over 16 years of my life proudly serving in the Army National Guard. I still serve as a major today. I volunteered to deploy to the Middle East twice. I've served in Congress now for nearly seven years, serving on the Foreign Affairs Committee, the Armed Services Committee, the Homeland Security Committee, and I am not afraid to openly express my love for our country. But if they can falsely portray me as a traitor, then they can do it to anyone. And in fact, that's exactly the message that they want to get across to you. That if you stand up against Hillary and the party power brokers, if you stand up to the rich and powerful elite and the war machine, they will destroy you and discredit your message. But here is the truth. They will not intimidate us. They will not silence us. We are not here just to protest their corruption. I am running for president to take the Democratic Party and our country back from the corrupt elite. I'm running for president to bring about a new Democratic Party and new leadership that will fight for peace, fight for the people and protect our planet. So I want to ask every single one of you to join me in speaking truth to power. Don't be afraid. Let's root out the corruption in our party and our country. Join me to end the war machine stranglehold over our leaders and ensure that our government is truly of the people, by the people, and for the people. I tell you, if she wasn't a lefty, I could vote for her. Don't be fooled. I'm not. I'm, you just heard what I said. If she weren't a lefty, I could vote for her. But, yeah. it, but she is somewhat right of the field that's running in the Democratic Party right now. In fact, we, She's were, more moderate. we were listening to the five, and Greg Gutfield was making that particular point, and I agree with him on He said she's a little bit libertarian. I don't know if I'd go that far. Possibly, but she is certainly more moderate than the majority of the field. Yeah, well, I... No I, question. Now she, there's a lot of things that she says not even close to being libertarian it's more totalitarian not libertarian i'm just saying well yeah <laughs> it's just uh, how how she comes across but she is one of the few in the field right now that makes sense when she flaps her lips she's a veteran i can respect that you know we're reaching a point well, where she's still serving well exactly 
we're reaching a point where it's like, okay, I'm on my side and you're on the other side. And if I don't agree with everything you say 100% all the way down the road, then, oh, my God, not only are, you know, you must be a Russian asset, but not only that, but I need to ruin you and take you out and all these things. Yeah, because you didn't back me. Because you didn't back me. You know, we've got to. Three years This, four this is a side ago. comment, but we've got to get away from that. That is not the way our country was designed. That's why our our government is so awkward. We are designed the Reagan rule. to be moderate and take the middle and work together. Mm. So I can I can appreciate that and I can respect that, but don't be fooled. Yeah, you know you can you can make uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Find some common ground. You can with find people. common ground. Hopefully, if All you right. look. What do we call that? It starts with compromise. Compromise. That yeah, bad bad word. Yeah. There's a difference. See, the, here's what happened over the last 10, 12 years. The Republicans, because they didn't have control of the House, the Senate, uh, or, uh, you know, well, let's just say they didn't have control of the Senate or the White House at one time. Uh, that, or the House. Instead, yeah, or the, or the House when Obama was elected. You, you've got a situation <coughs> where you weren't compromising, you were capitulating. There's a difference between looking for a compromise and you're not getting everything you want, but you're moving the ball towards your goal. Well, you're standing up for your side and actually compromising well, rather you're than moving just towards, giving in. You're moving towards the goal line. You're not giving the ball to the other side and say, here, you run 82 plays, we'll run 10. I'm just saying. If we're lucky. I'm just saying. All right, CNN chimed in on this important that we hear the cnn part it's only 30 seconds long it's very quick uh and then i'm going to turn over to elizabeth because she's got kind of some interesting ideas about this let's hear what cnn has to say the uh, former secretary of state just sort of put it uh, out there and then her, uh, her her spokesperson sort of doubled down on it um but as uh i think it was pete Buttigieg also on the sunday shows that that said he was uncomfortable with what Secretary Clinton did and that uh, right. if you do put something out there like this, you should have uh, the well, evidence to back it up. It clearly uh, allows, as you're saying, Jim, Gabbard to sort of try and elevate herself and be like, oh, I've got a big and, dog fighting with me right now. And yeah. she could get some attention that she otherwise might not have gotten. Okay. She's got some attention she may have not otherwise gotten. Well, someone calls you a Russian asset. And, you know, you're serving in the military because you love your country. I would take exception to that. I mean, maybe somebody saying that about me, I'd punch him in the face, to be honest. It's pretty outrageous. Yeah, it's real outrageous. You know, in today's world where it's so easy, (laughs) we were saying earlier, it's hard to find facts. But, I mean, these types of things are pretty easy to suss out and figure out whether they're accurate or not. And I cannot imagine where Hillary thinks she's coming from. I just can't. Unless what you said, she's so bitter. She's totally delusional. She's projection. You know, she's engaging in projection. I think she needs she's unbalanced. A help. I, I think she needs to go talk. To I'm a beginning therapist. to wonder if she's really not okay. Yeah. Truly, I mean seriously. But this deal about Tulsi Gabbard and Jill Stein or whatever, but it's mostly focused at Tulsi. Don't be fooled. I'm kind of wondering, and I don't know what's going on, but something funny's going on. All right, listen to this. That's could it kind be of interesting? Could it be that they're working on a third party run to try to separate things out and try to, you know, we all know when we have third party, what happens? We win. <laughs> Hopefully, but no, I kind of agree ask, ask with Bill Clinton it, was when it, the Ferengi was running. <laughs> 
But is it is it true that she would pull more Democrats than Republicans? Well, or more that's Republicans questionable because Gutfield was just talking about that on on the five. Yes, we do turn that turn Fox up a little bit once in Gotta a while. Got to keep up. And he said she would pull more Republicans than she would Democrats. I don't think that's true. I want to say no. I think there's a, a, you know, just like there's a large number of Trump supporters that don't talk to the pollsters and don't answer anybody's questions. I think there's a large number of moderate Democrats who are extremely unhappy with what's going on with this far oh, left yeah. Democrat presidential field of candidates. And somebody like a Tulsi could be extremely attractive to that. I and would so think it so. Would, it would really make it even harder than it's going to be on what 18 or 20 people that are running now for president. Yeah, it's crazy. They've got to start narrowing that down, it, I'm just telling you. And it's not narrowing real quickly. No, it's not. And I thought by now probably that some Iowa would have fallen poll, out. That Iowa poll that just came out, uh, you know, 18% Biden, 17% Warren, 13% the South Bend mayor. I refuse to say his last name. You got uh, Sanders at nine, along They're with way Harris. Too splintered. They're way too Unbel- splintered. Under that at six. I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they're. Go- it's going to come down to money. People are going to get tired of giving their money if somebody can't get up to at least ten percent. I believe. Well, and I was surprised right before the last debate. I believe it was Booker who said, "I forget the number. I've got to have X amount of money, or I can't make this. I'm never going to." Boom. Within 24 hours, he had more than enough. Yeah. So there's still all these pockets of people. But like you say, they're splintered. I mean, when you've got if you look at all the Democrats, you know, 15 percent for this one and 20 percent for that one and 20 percent over here, it's going to be really hard to pull all of those people back under one candidate. And let not let us not forget. That that poll. So was a suffix USA Today poll. What it had there that 60 Three percent of uh, the people watching and, and interested in the Democratic uh, race haven't made up their mind, or could change their mind. That's could what it change was. Because one out of three hadn't made their mind up. And yet. we're a hundred days. Well, here in Arkansas, one hundred and five away from our primary, but we're coming up on primary season pretty quick everywhere. Iowa is close. Iowa is very close. It's close, and that that. Well, it's going to have a winnowing effect. I mean, they're going to get they're going to get rid of some of those people. I just thought of something. What? Well, how many of these Democrat presidential candidates are in the Senate? And if the House does what we all think they will, they're going to screw with the campaign. They're not going to be able to campaign. They're going to have to be in D.C. Yeah, Warren will have to be tough. there. Harris will have to right be there. The Booker time, will have to be there. Yeah, it's going to be kind of tough. These folks just really aren't very smart. In fact. Uh, that was, I think it was Harris who said, uh, this weekend, uh, that, you know, she, that she has a constitutional duty, uh, to be at the Senate, uh, when that's going on. So it's going to be tough. That's things that you got, they're going to have to think about. All but right. don't be fooled by Tulsi. She did support Bernie Sanders yeah. in 2016. Yeah, she's not. There's not that much She's space She's not between. a Republican at all. She is not a Republican. She is not a conservative. She's more moderate than many. But when you're way over there on the left, yeah, moderate. Well, she's moderate. She's <laughs> a little bit to the right of the extreme left, 
which still means that you're Way extreme left. Okay, I'm Way just letting you know. There. All right, 20 minutes after 4 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. When we come back, Elizabeth Warren still dodging on that Medicare question of how are you going to fund it? And she's saying there's many different payment streams. That's what she says. <laughs> she says this week she's going to tell us how, and when we come back I'll tell you that uh, that should tell you something very important about Senator Warren. We're on the edges of our seats. That's coming back when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so let's talk about our favorite loony bird, Elizabeth Bur- Elizabeth Warren. I mean, seriously, she's loony. I mean, she thought she was Native American. She can't decide whether she was fired for being pregnant or wasn't fired for being pregnant. She was not. I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, what I'm just she's saying. She's been caught after lie, after lie, after lie. And you know what I'm saying. Well, like Hillary, she's living in a fantasy world. It's not it's well, not she real. Figures, well, here's the key. Here, here's Hillary said something evidently over the weekend. I, I, I'm going to look it up. I just heard it a few minutes ago on the five. I don't know who the lady's name is. We've been racking our brains trying to figure out who she is, and I can't. But she made the statement that Hillary said in an interview. It was so much easier when there were only three networks and just a few important newspapers because it was easier to control the message. Okay? And and, and that's why she fails now. Because you can't fake being something all the time. And if you lie like that, you cannot keep up with all your that's lies. That's exactly right. Sorry. That's, the truth. Did, didn't on. her daddy so ever tell her? Don't tell a lie because you always have to tell another lie mm-hmm. to, to cover up the lie that you told, you know, and then before long, there'll be so many lies that you have to tell that you're going to get caught. Elizabeth Warren lied about her parents having to elope because of racism against her mother. She lied about being the first nursing mother to take the bar exam in New Jersey. They don't keep those records in New Jersey. Wait she a lied. Second. Wait who would even care that she was lactating when she went to take the same bar? people who cared over the weekend about National Period Day? I mean, that's just so ridiculous. She lied about. I had a bottle hanging from my breast. I was gathering the milk while <laughs> I was funny. taking a test. Well, they don't even keep the record. Yeah, you know, she lied about being a single well, mom. Of course, do you, does, do women really think that you, when you came in to take the bar, they said, "Are you lactating?" <laughs> Like it matters. I mean, let's think about that for just a second. That's just ridiculous. These are the people that want equality for everybody, and they keep focusing on how women are different. I don't get it. Yeah, anyway, um, go ahead. She lied about being a single mom when she met her second and present husband. Mm. She was still married. She hadn't filed for divorce. She lied about the death of Michael Brown, who which, you know wasn't a murder, but that's what she said. It says only recently, after more than 30 years, she stopped lying about being a Cherokee. Yeah. You know, and we know she lied about getting fired when she was pregnant. Yep. I, where do these people get off thinking we so don't know any better? So my question is, why would you believe anything that she anything says? Anything else. And do we really want someone as the leader of our country 
who doesn't know any better than to even know their own family's history. Yeah. It's if very she would scary. happen to get elected, I, I I want her when she reads her, her writes her book, she's going to say I was lactating on the day I took the oath of office. <laughs> Just seriously, I am the first lactating president. I think she's a little old for the lactating thing. I would hope, I would think so. <laughs> but I'm just saying. I mean, I just find Zach. Don't you find that just it's crazy? Dumb. I'm looking at Zach. He doesn't want to get in this this discussion. <laughs> He's just shaking his head. <laughs> I'm just. Who cares? I could care less if a woman's lactating or not. That's just. Now, on a serious level, though, again, I am very concerned that this is the level of discourse and the level of character and the level of understanding that we have in a whole field of presidential candidates. With that We're said, in trouble. when we come back, I got some sound for you about Elizabeth Warren dodging Medicare questions about funding. We'll talk about that. And I'll tell you why she now says she's going to tell everybody uh, how she's going to fund it. All right. We got about uh, 25 minutes. Now, coming up at 5 o'clock, we've got the, uh, a writer for the Wall Street Journal who did a very interesting interview uh, that was uh, published by the Epoch Times. Epoch Times, and we're going to play it back for you because I think there's a lot of very interesting things in the interview she says, but she she looks at culture. You said that she has a new book out. What's the name of the book? I knew you'd ask me that. Hang on. The Resistance or something. Resistance or something like that, how we got to fight these crazy people off. And they're resisting and doing everything they can to destroy not only this president, but our country. I think we all understand what's at stake in this next election. Here it is. And do look this up. It is well worth it. It's called, oh, wait, wrong. Sorry, wrong link. Beep, 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 beep. Okay. (laughs) Just a minute. (laughs) Okay, she's backing up. Back up, back up. She's checking it out. And, of course, the Internet has now frozen. Okay. The bottom, it was called resistance. It's about the resistance. That's what it's called. And that's, the interview is very loose, well, not loosely based, but is based on the research in her book that she wrote. Um, Here it is. Resistance at all costs. Okay. How Trump haters are breaking America. And it's true. They are. Because they're, they don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about nothing. They just... They hate Trump. Well, this is what I've said for a long time. These people are not American. They do not believe in our values. They do not believe in how our country was founded. They don't believe in the Judeo-Christian doctrines. And they are they don't belong here. Well, I got a question for the people that say this country be and especially you younger folks that say this country would be so much better if we were like France or 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 Sweden. Go live there. Go be you know Sweden or Norway. Yeah, that's that's my point. You're young, you're mobile, move. That's Go right. live where they govern the way you would like it to be done. They're already doing it. Go. Oh, here's the problem. Sweden and Norway may not let you in. Well, I mean, how many times <laughs> did we say this about Mexico as well? Go try to just walk across the border and go get free health care and a driver's license and everything in Mexico. You'll be put in jail. Mm-hmm. You know, go overseas if you're a trans or a gay or an alphabet person, you're going to get thrown off a roof. Go find out. 
yeah. and you'll find out what we have here in America. Don't and tell, maybe you'll and tell be grateful. me how bad I am. Tell me how terrible I am perfect. that I let you live. We're not perfect. Of course not. I let not. you live. I'm just saying. <laughs> Those people don't let you live. That's right. That's right. Well, if the left got its way, we wouldn't be here either. No, probably not. It'd be gas chambers for us. I, I mean, guess. look, I mean, don't make me get going on this, Dave. They're already murdering us in the womb. They're already mm-hmm. going after old people. Yeah. How much longer is it going to be? Well, they will not want to try to come for me. Because if I have to, I will gum them to death. <laughs> I'm just warning you. I'm warning you. Don't start. All right. Elizabeth Warren talking about Medicare. Let's let's hear what she has to say. Then I want to dig into this. Just to, I want you to think about this just a little bit more. Here she is. Senator, shouldn't you have decided how you're going to pay for the plan before you released your health care plan? I've been working on the details for a long time. I've been a co-sponsor of Medicare for All since it came out. But is it fiscally responsible to release a plan before you figured out how you're going to I pay for it? I think there have been many estimates about what the cost would be and many different payment streams. And I've been working on how to give the exact details to make that work. Okay, so here's how her plan works. I'm going to give you everything free. We'll figure out how to pay for it later. And if I had a plan, I would have told you about it by That's now. That's exactly right. All right? I'm just telling you all of this because I want to get elected president. Don't worry about the details. We'll figure that out later. But I'll guarantee you, you get to keep your doctor and you get to keep, oh, pardon me, you won't get to keep your insurance. I've told you that already. They say that she's going to be a tough opponent because she has a plan for everything. Well, she's going to be a tough and, opponent because she can lie so well about everything. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Not even blink an eye. Yeah. Just and keep no, going. She don't have any problems Just doing that going. at all. So, you know, evidently sometime, supposedly, she's supposed to come out this week. I think they said maybe Wednesday and to uh, show us uh, how she's going to do this i mean she keep she says there are many different revenue streams let me tell you what that is nothing but a four word answer for a really two word answer raise taxes Mm -hmm. but she won't say raise taxes because that don't play in peoria all right well, except Bernie, wasn't Bernie the one who did come out and say, I'll just be oh, honest he with said, you, we're yeah, going to have to raise taxes. It you know? ain't free, so you got to That's going to make everybody happy. Yeah. So do we want the truth, or do we want to just act like we don't know the and truth? And how well did that play out for him? He's at 9% in yeah, Iowa now. Yeah, but just, I mean, I'm it's the saying. truth. But it's that is the truth. Yeah, don't but tell it's people not the make, truth. But it's not making his numbers go up, you know, is it? Especially in millennials, just keep telling them it's all free. Uh-huh. It's all going to be free. We got money trees in back of the Capitol. We send people out there every day with big baskets, and they pull the $100 bills right off the trees. And probably they're bigger than $100 bills now. Is there a, is there, What's the biggest bill that they print? Do you know? I am under the impression that they don't print anything larger than a $100 bill anymore. But I could be wrong. Okay. You can search it. You can tell me. I know, but... I'm just saying that's the bill that they pull off the the off the uh, the money trees. And my dad used to talk to me about when I was a kid, when I said, "Dad, I need a new baseball mitt." And he says, "Oh, well, yeah, let's we'll go get it tomorrow, right after I run out in the backyard to the money tree." 
Does your dad or mom used to you know ever say that to you? Did your mom ever say that to you, Zach? Let me just go to the money tree. They said something along those lines. It wasn't exactly that, but they, they used to say something about free this or whatever, or they talked about a tree, basically. There you go. I'm just, my my father, that was one of his favorite things. If you ask for something, he said, well, yeah, let me let me just run Let's out in the backyard and go to the money tree, and I'll get some more money. <laughs> and then well, you'll stop asking because you know what they're going to say. Yeah, absolutely. What, what's so, so after 1969, mm-hmm. you weren't going to find anything larger than a $100 bill on that money tree. Okay. Hundred dollar bill. All right, so they they got a lot. Evidently, across the National Mall, there are tons of money trees wow. that they go out and pull hundred dollar bills off of. That's the way it is. After they turn your pockets inside out and bend you oh, over. Yeah, well, yeah, they got to turn you upside down, shake all the coins yeah, out of your is. pockets and everything. They do it all. Thirty trillion dollars. As I like to say, one of the estimates. Like I like to say, and they don't use Kentucky jelly. I'm just letting you know about that. All right, we got to get our final break in. Let's do that for this half hour. Then we'll come back and uh, we'll finish it up today. I'll, I'll pay a couple of pieces of of uh, audio that we played earlier uh, from Lindsey Graham about Syria. You should hear, and we'll play AOC too. Just make your afternoon while you're cut in traffic. Uh, that much better have to listen to Cortez. That's all coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Now, breaking news, Fox 16. One person has been uh, reported shot in an officer-involved shooting in North Little Rock. North Little Rock Police Department says it happened today, this afternoon, at 2800 East Broadway at the Broadway Motel. We're told the officer is okay. But the condition of the person who was shot is not yet known. More details to come. So, uh, you know anything about that Broadway motel? I know exactly where it is. Do you? Yes, right down by, you know, we're going down East Broadway towards Rose City. You know, it's not far from Popeye's on that same side. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where it's located. Mm -hmm. Not a great area, is it? No. Okay. Just thought it was. You know, it's going to be like, you know, how did they get shot? You know, there's going to be a thing where, well, he, the police officer shooting to shot him. Well, well, you know what? If you got a gun, you might not want to point it at the police officer because he's going to shoot back. The one that was in, I believe, Fort Worth last week was the gal that was babysitting the nephew and got shot through the window. Yeah, that's crazy. I saw a news article that says something that new about it the, now. The Apparently the da- not dash cam, but the video of the office, you know, the officer's video. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a shadow or a flash, not like a gun flash, but some light flash yeah. or something on the video that he saw her with a gun inside. Hmm. Now, I haven't verified that, but I did read the article that said that his some his video, he thought that she had had a gun in her hand at one point. You know that uh, police officer that was found unusual. guilty of killing that guy from Searcy that was down in 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 Dallas? Uh, she thought she was in supposedly in her apartment. That's what I'm... Was in another apartment up a oh, floor. yes. And killed. That was a horrible thing. There was another story that went with that about a witness or something oh, that yeah. got killed. The, there was a young man 
who was a neighbor of their the both individuals that were involved who lived in that building who did a lot of the testifying at her trial well against her for the prosecution and what within a week he He's was dead, sh- right? he was shot dead apparently after a supposedly a drug deal there's a lot of in a different stuff area going. was not strange, in the same strange apartment. stuff going on i'm just telling you somebody putting a blindfold on uh lady liberty of course that's one of the first things we always think about yeah anyway he was praised by i forget which side i believe it was the prosecution but anyway they said it was a very you know during the trial before he was killed they said what he did was very brave Mm -hmm. to speak up about what he had seen and what he knew and then and they also said he was a great kid and he was honest and straightforward about this but he was killed in a drug deal yeah who knows yeah, See, it's getting so hard anymore to really know what the facts are because there's so much fake stuff being floated out there, and so many of the and outlets I don't know are how not much trustworthy. That I'm reading about that stuff, how much of that stuff is true? Well, and that's the problem you these gotta days. You got to dig and dig and dig to try to find uh, the truth out of a lot of this stuff. Okay, so AOC, I wanted to ruin your afternoon for you as you <laughs> as you're driving home tonight. So uh, Cortez says that. Uh, this is one of the best Democratic presidential primary fields in a generation. And she really said it. Here she is. You can hear it for yourself. We right now have one of the best Democratic presidential primary fields in a generation. And much of that is thanks to the work that Bernie Sanders has done in his entire life. In this new, historic, freshman congressional class, an overwhelming amount of them now reject corporate PAC money. That's thanks to Bernie. An enormous amount of the House of Representatives endorse Medicare for All. That's thanks to Bernie. Okay, I... I got to ask this question. Because I'm coming out of my <laughs> is chair. That, is that Alvin Theodore or Simon? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> when did her voice get so squeaky? I don't know. That's the first time Good I've grief. ever heard her that is so sound irritating. like a chipmunk. It is irritating. Now, it could have been Chipperdale, but I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, that's irritating. It, it, that's, play a little bit of that again. <laughs> we right now have one of the best democratic presidential primary fields in a generation that's got to be something and much of that is thanks to the work that bernie sanders has done in his entire life in this new historic freshman congressional class an overwhelming amount of them now reject corporate PAC money that's thanks to bernie Okay, now she goes She goes even higher. An enormous there it is. amount <laughs> of the House of Representatives mm. endorse Medicare for All. That's thanks to Bernie. All right. Bernie. All right. Sounds like she, I don't know, were, that, they, were they hitting the helium balloons in the back I was say, before she went on? Something with the audio that we pulled or I something, I don't know. Do I mean, uh, Oh, that's said, horrid. It sounded like Theodore or Simon. That's not Alvin. It's got to be Theodore or something. Well, if she's going to use that voice out on the campaign trail, <laughs> it's not going to work well. Maybe, but... <laughs> the 
did, did, oh. did you think that when you heard that the first time? I did, you know, and I'm sitting here, and and uh, Elizabeth says to me, her voice is sighing, huh? And as soon as she did, when she said that, I wrote down, Chip or Dale, <laughs> Alvin, Theodore, or Simon. <laughs> I really did. I just... Well, I know she's excited, thought, but come on, really. Yeah, that's a little Calm bit much. Calm down. <laughs> All right, and then she was asked uh, by a reporter about endorsing a white guy. Mm-hmm. Not any white guy, the oldest white guy, in fact. Here's a cut number uh, seven. The senator cannot do this by ourselves. As a woman of color, why back an old white guy? And is this the future of the party? I'm actually very excited about this partnership because it shows what we have to do in our country, is that we have to come together across race, across gender, across generation. Did you meet with other candidates before making your decision? I did, yes. Senator Warren? Yes. What was that conversation like? You know, I think she's a fabulous candidate. And so, frankly, Senator Sanders, Senator Warren, and myself are all on the same team in the party. If you are the nominee, Senator, would you consider the Congresswoman as your running mate? Well, I think I'm too young for that. <laughs> there you go. She's excellent. Would you work in a Sanders administration, a Sanders White House? Yes, you would. <laughs> All right. So well, I know, I guess I know would you work in a Sanders White House? Yes, you would. That cackle. Yes, yes, you would. Okay. So anyway, uh, bottom line, the important thing to pull out of all of what she just said is that Senator Sanders, Senator Warren, and myself are all on the same team. She didn't name everybody else. It just no space in between. Three. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're the socialists. Damn it! Vote for us. <laughs> well, and Buttigieg is kind of sort of in there too. He's kind of that direction. As I well. should have played the uh, the the question that was asked about Buttigieg. Well, they, but and I know you they talk- asked him what was it? What was the question? I don't. I can look and see if I can find it. Well, they asked him why his his outreach to African-Americans wasn't working because it's not. You go back and look at what's been going down in South Bend as a city. I kind of wonder how that affected his campaign. And it's not been real good uh, as far as that's concerned. I'm just looking. I'm trying to find the, the quote, and I can't find it right now. I'm always looking for the stuff that I think our listeners want to hear. I really do. And I will find out whether it was Theodore or Simon (laughs) that gave the speech before Sanders. Because she didn't sound that way when she was talking to the reporter. She must have just got excited. And, and, you know, her voice went up a half, two octaves or whatever. Yeah. You know, when she was talking. Well, Elizabeth, it's been a pleasure, always is having you here. And she is responsible for the next hour that you'll listen to. She watched this. She watched this and says, you have got to hear this. And so we're going to play it for you. Uh, Kimberly Strassel. She is uh, Kimberly Strassel on the editorial board of the Wall Street Street Journal. Journal. She's speaking with the Epoch Times. This is a uh, series that they run called American Thought Leaders. Uh, the com is a pretty good source for some news. Uh, Want to be real clear 
And hang on just a minute. I want to tell you just a little bit about their background. I had it up in front of me a moment ago. Of course, it's not here now. Just a minute so that it's we're real clear about this. Because, uh, you know, I like to really be factual. Yeah. <laughs> want people to understand. You're a real-time reporter. Okay. So, the Epoch Times, number one, they do a physical newspaper that is delivered to every single member of our entire Congress every single day. Mm-hmm. Okay. And can't tell you how many of them read it, but it goes to them every single day. And it was big, it was founded in 2000. And this is direct off their website. It says the Epoch Times was founded in the year 2000 in response to communist repression and censorship in China. Our founders are Chinese Americans who found themselves, they fled communism and sought to create an independent media outlet to bring uncensored and truthful information to the world. They write extensively, and if you look at their website, you'll see tons of content about world affairs, a lot about China coming from the inside, and a lot about American politics. And uh, I think it's a pretty reasonable source of information. But American Thought Leaders is a series, and they interview various different people for about an hour at a time. So she's going to talk about, take a look at your culture to figure out what the heck is going on and uh the never trumpers and the hate trumpers Tearing out there America what they're apart. doing doing Tearing so you're going to want to hear this this is real important i think it's a, a great uh mixture of, of facts that you need to hear here on the dave let Alford us know Show. what you think out of time gotta run thank That's you next after the news Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.